It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on camdenchat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It is now September the 20th, 2023. The Orioles are 95-56. and 56. No kidding. 95 wins, 56 losses after beating the Astros again on Tuesday night. A 9-5 victory for the Orioles with the win. The Orioles have clinched at a minimum the wild card one spot in the American League because at their 95 wins, they cannot be passed in the standings due to either just not being able to be matched in wins or not being able to be passed because of tiebreakers by any of the Texas Rangers, Toronto Blue Jays, or Seattle Mariners. And it is good that the Orioles took care of business and won their own game on Tuesday night because as far as clinching uh, by virtue of any of those other teams losing, the Jays and the Rangers were both winners on Tuesday night. It did not seem like the Orioles did any more champagne popping and beer showering for clinching wild card one, which is perfectly fine with me. So it is official. There will be playoff games in Baltimore this year. That is certainly happy news to everyone in the 13-game ticket plan group, like my wife and I, who bought our tickets on Tuesday. If you're going to go to whatever series, whatever game it is, well, it's not a cheap ticket. Uh, it seems face value, $60 for the cheapest seat per ticket, and that is before counting fees. And if the Orioles should advance to the American League Championship Series, we're talking $95 minimum per ticket uh, for a seat, which is pretty crazy. Who even knows what the World Series price is going to be if we should be so fortunate to have the Orioles play in the World Series. Obviously, 
paying for World Series tickets would be a pretty good problem to have in 2023, especially relative to what everybody expected before the season. I will tell you, I was not prepared to pay more than double the usual price for worse seats, Um, but I guess that's the way it goes in the playoffs. If you have not bought your playoff tickets yet and you still want to, good luck. I really hope all this extra money is used by the Orioles on Major League Payroll in the near future. As far as the Tampa Bay Rays, who are chasing the Orioles in the American League East, they were also winners on Tuesday. They beat the Angels. So again, it's good that the Orioles won their own game because they cannot count on the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, etc. for anything in terms of beating the Rays at this point. The Angels went 8-19 and in August. They are now 4-13 and in the month of September. The Rays play them two more, ga- two more games before moving on to other competition. And, you know, one game there, the Orioles are going to be playing the Astros. The other, they'll be playing the Guardians. So they're they're really going to need to win those games if they're going to hold the lead where it's at. So the Orioles, by winning, they held on to their two-and-a-half game lead in the American League East, and they reduced their division magic number down to eight. That is because if the Orioles win eight more games, they will reach 103 wins, at which point they cannot be caught by the Rays. Every Rays loss reduces that number that the Orioles would have to win by one, so we will see what ends up happening. Tuesday's game for the Orioles, you know, it was really a classic uh, 2023 Orioles victory in which they are somehow simultaneously impressively dominant against a good team with a good pitching staff, and Also, they just absolutely refuse to let us rest easy, as is becoming kind of a catchphrase among the mass and broadcasters for reasons I don't entirely know, but think is funny. Uh, They just, like Kevin Brown and Melanie Newman, both in the last couple of days, have just pleaded, just be normal, be normal. And the Orioles refuse. They refuse to be normal. Um, It's been okay so far this season, as the Orioles have refused to be normal, they have literally won. Uh, they've got a 629 winning percentage. They are on pace to win 102 games in the regular season. So not being normal, again, it's working out for the Orioles pretty well. But nonetheless, uh, you know, it doesn't always make it easy to watch. Every game, even ones where they win by what seems like it should be comfortable, like on Tuesday where it was Grand Slam territory. They just make you sweat a little bit in the game. Ryan O'Hearn delivered a two-run first-inning homer for the Orioles. Those runs were immediately given back by Kyle Gibson in the bottom half of the inning. Later, Austin Hayes put the Orioles ahead with a three-run jack and hit a second home run later in the game. Heston Kerstad also homered in the game, his second big league homer of his career. Anthony Santander had two hits, and seven Orioles had a hit in the game. Eight of the nine reached base safely. The Orioles scored nine runs, and still it was uh, a bit of nerve-wracking ninth inning, maybe because of some of the collapses they've had lately. But the Orioles took a four-run lead into the ninth. There were two men on base on two separate occasions, though the tying run... It never got closer than the on-deck circle. I Seriously, can there just be one game where the Orioles absolutely coast to a victory? As Kevin and Melanie said, just be normal. But no, no, they cannot, for whatever reason, be normal. 
There was one thing of interest to me in Tuesday's game, and that is that it seems like the Orioles have maybe marked a shift in how they're going to use the relievers for the remaining games, or at least perhaps until if they should be so fortunate as to clinch the American League East, they um, will will maybe change it after again after that. Because up until this point in the season, the Orioles would not absolutely, no way, no how, use any reliever on three straight days. They wouldn't do it. At times, they lost games in part because of adhering to this and having like Felix Bautista be unavailable. But Tuesday night, that saw the Orioles use both Yenier Cano and CNL Perez in the ninth inning once things felt a little bit tight. And one reason, and so both of those guys, that made it three straight games. Now, one reason the Orioles were more at liberty to make that choice is because neither of those guys had thrown a lot of pitches over the previous two days, despite being used back-to-back. Yenier Cano had only thrown 12 pitches between the two games, and CNL Perez threw 13. So the workloads were not heavy, and that, that helped, I'm sure, manager Brandon Hyde being able to do that. Now, just one little quick note, by the way, CNL Perez should never have needed to enter the game at all, because in fact, Cano struck out Alex Bregman with two outs and should have ended the game. However, the first base umpire somehow, I don't even know what he was watching, but it was one of the most egregious misses of a check swing in history. So the result was a walk for Bregman instead of the game ending strikeout that brought up Jordan Alvarez to the plate and ultimately led to the Orioles bringing in Perez. And Perez, at least, made it totally normal. He did an absolutely classic good morning, good afternoon, and good night on Alvarez. He threw three pitches into the strike zone. Alvarez did not swing at any of these. I don't know what he thought he was going to get from Perez, but he was not prepared for that even a tiny bit. Perez finished off again the Orioles' 95th win of the season. And there's still still uh, 11 games left to play. So it's just, it's really, it's really something. And for the Orioles, that makes another win in the books. And it guarantees a series win on the road against the division-leading Astros. Though, if Houston keeps losing games, they're not going to be a division leader for much longer because they are now only a half game ahead of the Texas Rangers for the AL West. And if the Mariners' score I just looked at before starting this recording holds, Houston is actually only a half game ahead of them as well. It was another game of heavy bullpen use for the Orioles. And, you know, one one reason for that is Kyle Gibson, the starting pitcher, only went four and two-thirds innings. And really based on pitch count, I think the Orioles certainly could have gotten him through five innings, maybe even six, but Hyde decided to manage aggressively uh, once there were two men on base with two outs, decided to bring in birthday boy D.L. Hall, or as Grayson likes to say, Dighton Lane Hall, to get Alvarez, who was batting there with two outs as well. Alvarez grounded out, shortstop to first base, preserving what was at that moment a 5-3 to three Orioles lead. So Alvarez was, in fact, the go-ahead run there. So, I mean, that was, again, that was Hyde. He managed aggressively. Um, brought in a reliever maybe earlier than he needed to, but just to make extra sure, he did something that he thought would preserve the lead. And it was later in the game after the Orioles had scored some more runs, they tried to get some garbage timeouts out of Jorge Lopez, but he gave up a two-run home run. 
this little experiment trying to bring him back uh, to April to uh, July 2022 form down the stretch of the 2023 season. It does not seem to be working. I don't uh, I don't know how much longer they can do it because it's not helping to have him out there. I'm sure it would be sad if they were going to designate him for assignment with only a couple handfuls of games left. I don't know what they're going to do about it. Uh, I'm certainly not looking forward to seeing him pitch anymore. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, hopefully... Again, hopefully the Orioles can just play some blowouts, and then it doesn't matter if Lopez gives up a home run or two. Um, they tried one more experiment in Tuesday's game because trade acquisition Jack Flaherty was shifted into the bullpen. We'll generously say shifted instead of a more negative word, uh, as the Orioles were hoping to get some length, uh, somebody out there who could be some kind of like long relief. And he ended up pitching on Tuesday, only three days rest after throwing in the 70s, uh, a few days before he pitched two scoreless innings did have some traffic on the bases each time, but scoreless is scoreless. So good job Flaherty. He has really been a bust as the starting pitcher. He was acquired to be so hopefully he can carve out some kind of role either, you know, for the remaining regular season games or even for himself in the postseason because it sure doesn't seem like he is going to be uh, one of the, starting pitchers that the Orioles decide to use in whatever series they end up making. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
All right, so the Wednesday game is going to see the Orioles going for a sweep of the Astros, and this is one of those things where it's like, you know, if you had gone in and said, okay, the Orioles are going to win the first two out of three, or the Orioles are going to win two out of three games, period, you would take that. I would take that. Anyone would have taken that because they could have certainly done so much worse. They went in, they won what everyone assumed, including me, was going to be the hangover game on Monday. They won that one despite Justin Verlander starting. Then they won on Tuesday, too. So now, you know, let's see him go for the sweep. It would be nice. Although, again, I mean, if they lose one and they've still won two out of three, that's not too bad. It probably will mean it's only a one and a half game division lead because the Rays are probably going to beat the Angels, but we'll see. It's a 210 game for the Orioles. So do be prepared for day baseball. Kyle Bradish is going to be pitching for the Orioles. He's been moving towards ace territory lately, and it's going to be really good for the aforementioned beleaguered Orioles bullpen if Bradish can at least go six innings in the game. You know, again, we cannot count on the Angels for any wins, so the Orioles are going to have to win to help themselves lower the magic number. Their offense will be going up against Houston pitcher Christian Javier. He's got a 4.74 ERA this season, so although the Orioles did go through a slump last week, the last few days it's looked like maybe they've broken out of it, and it's going to be good if they can continue that against Javier on Wednesday afternoon. Before I wrap up, a little dip into the mailbag. This one comes from listener Richard, who asked about wins probability added. He wrote in and said, I was thinking that Rutschman had an eventful Sunday afternoon and wondered about his WPA. According to Fangraphs, Rutschman's WPA for the game on Sunday was .496. For Adam Frazier's was nearly as good as .492. And Richard adds, I'm uncertain whether he's attributed any WPA for the play at the plate in the ninth or for scoring the winning run. And he asked, how do Rutschman's and Frazier's numbers in Sunday's game compare to some others from the uh, Orioles over the course of this season? So Richard, and for anyone else who wants a little primer on WPA, this is from the official MLB site that explains wins probability added. It is a stat that quantifies the percent change in a team's chances of winning the game from one event to the next. It does so by measuring the importance of one plate appearance in the context of the game. A player's WPA can also be affected on the base paths as it will increase if he steals a base, but decrease if he is caught stealing or picked off. So WPA mostly focused on batter, pitcher, and runner in measurable plays, like either getting hits, getting outs, or you know stealing a base or being thrown out. You do not get WPA just for scoring a run or really for anything that happens on defense. So it's not a complex metric. For that reason, it's really kind of a blunt instrument. If you want something more complicated, you want to look at something else. Um, really, on a game basis, though, there's there's not really anything else. On kind of a season-long basis, you probably want to look at wins above replacement, which does encompass base running and fielding. But I think it's interesting, if not, um, not the ultimate statement of quality, just in a way of seeing what has happened. And... To answer Richard's second question about um, how Rutschman and Frazier's compare to some others the Orioles have done this year, it's late here as I'm recording this on Tuesday night. I am not combing through every single Orioles game, but here is one very recent example just to give you a little uh, example. 
Cedric Mullins exceeded the .496 WPA when he hit the late three-run home run on Monday night to help power the Orioles to that victory. And that gave Mullins a total of a 0.63 WPA for the game. And just in general, big hits, especially late big hits in close games, are what moves the needle the most for batters or what moves the needle the most as a negative for pitchers. So really, like, as far as WPA goes, like, the ultimate play is if you get, like, a come-from-behind walk-off grand slam with two outs. That's pretty much uh, the biggest possible swing in a single play. And that would get you a really high number, although that also depends on what the batter has done earlier in the game. So I guess really the ultimate is if a pinch hitter comes in. He has He's, a, he's at zero to start the, the uh, that plate appearance and then hits the pinch hit walk-off grand slam. He's going to get probably something like uh, 0.97 if it's like overcoming a three-run deficit with two outs to make it a walk-off grand slam. It's it's going to be something crazy high. That's, that's about as high as you can possibly get for one play. Um, everything else, you know, is is something less than that. And just for anyone who's curious, for some cumulative wins probability added across the whole season for the Orioles, so adding together all the games, and I got these uh, from fan graphs, and I did a little eyeball math myself adding in Tuesday's game results. So a couple of these that were affected on Tuesday might be um, a couple of a hundredths off if my eyeball math uh, and rounding was incorrect. So the top guy for the Orioles in WPA, Felix Bautista, 4.22. He is one of the most impactful players this year in all of baseball in terms of this context-dependent stat. Number two, Yenier Cano, who, based on his strength in April and May, also getting a lot of clutch outs in close games, uh, racked up 2.94 WPA. And even last night, he added like another two one hundredths um, when he got a double play ball that Gunnar Henderson alertly was able to turn into a double play ball when the runner going from second to third basically ran right into Henderson's tag and Henderson was still able to throw to second and get a runner there as well. So that helped Cano. Henderson does not get any credit for that play in terms of WPA. And Cano, again, he's at 2.94 for the season. Third on the Orioles, Ryan O'Hearn. I was really surprised to see him that high, but he's been racing up with some clutch hits and just really a lot of hits lately. He has a 2.89 WPA for the season. Anthony Santander sits in fourth at 2.40. And fifth is Adley Rutschman, 2.19. And again, if you're curious, here's the five worst Orioles by WPA. All guys who are in the negatives. The absolute worst has been Austin Voth, negative 1.22. So, hey, he's gone. It doesn't matter. Now, the second worst is still here. That's Jack Flaherty. He is at a negative 0.88. He did actually get a little bit closer to uh, positive with his performance on Tuesday night. Number three, Logan Gillespie, negative 0.87. Again, he has been designated for assignment. He is not around on the 40-man roster anymore. Number four, Kyle Stowers, negative 0.71. He was just really bad and in some important situations in the few games he was around early on. 
And number five, well, unfortunately, number five is Kyle Gibson, the Orioles' quote-unquote big free agent signing uh, starting pitcher over the offseason, negative 0.59, which he also was able to improve. No, excuse me, he did not improve based on uh, Tuesday's performance. He was at 0.51 negative before Tuesday and went down to negative 0.59. So, yeah, they're in your bottom five. Uh, the big trade deadline acquisition and the big free agent starting pitching acquisition. I'm not going to get into that right now, but I just generally for the future, I would like to see Mike Elias, you know, actually sign or trade for a major league, a good major league pitcher. Now, again, getting Kyle Bradish in a trade that does count, but it's not in terms of adding a player to an already good Orioles team right now. He hasn't, hasn't done it yet. Um, and I hope he can do it eventually. But again, for 2023, the Orioles are 95 and 56. They're going to go to whatever fate they've got awaiting them in the postseason. In fact, they're not going to go to what fate awaits them. There is no fate. There is, uh, only what's going there. Whatever happens, it's not fate. The Orioles, something will happen. It's not fate, but they're going towards whatever they're going to do. Um, but for the future, I mean, I would like to see them actually able to sign or trade for a good starting pitcher, you know. Um, so thank you to Richard and to everyone who has written in so far. If anyone out there has a topic or a question they would like to have discussed on a future episode, you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com. That is all that I've got for today. If you enjoy this show, please do subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a rating or a review or tell an Orioles fan you know about the show. All of these things help grow the show, and I really appreciate any assistance you can do in that regard. New episodes come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so I will be back with you on Friday morning, hopefully with a couple of awesome Orioles games to talk about between now and then. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's!